Hello, everyone, and welcome to our podcast. This is Pastor Mike with the Aliante Community Baptist Church. We invite you, your family, and friends to join us as we study God's Word. So, let's begin. Turn in your Bibles this morning to the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 20. Matthew, chapter 20, beginning at verse 29. Now as they went out of Jericho, a great multitude followed him. And behold, two men, two blind men sitting by the road, when they heard that Jesus was passing by, cried out, saying, Have mercy on us, O Lord, son of David. Then the multitude warned them that they should be quiet. But they cried out all the more, saying, Have mercy on us, O Lord, son of David. So Jesus stood still and called them and said, What do you want me to do for you? They said to him, Lord, that our eyes may be opened. So Jesus had compassion and touched their eyes, and immediately their eyes received sight, and they followed him. Now when they drew near Jerusalem and came to Bethphage at the Mount of Olives, then Jesus sent two disciples, saying to them, Go into the village opposite you, and immediately you will find a donkey tied and a colt with her. Loose them and bring them to me. And if anyone says anything to you, you shall say, The Lord has need of them, and immediately he will send them. All this was done that might be fulfilled, which was spoken by the prophet, saying, Tell the daughter of Zion, Behold, your king is coming to you, lowly and sitting on a donkey, a colt, the foal of a donkey. So the disciples went and did as Jesus commanded them. They brought the donkey and the colt, laid their clothes on them and set him on them. And a very great multitude spread their clothes on the road. Others cut down branches from the trees and spread them on the road. Then the multitudes who went before and those who followed cried out, saying, Hosanna to the Son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. 
And when he had come into Jerusalem, all the city was moved, saying, Who is this? So the multitude said, This is Jesus, the prophet from Nazareth of Galilee. Let's pray, please. Our Father in God, again, we thank you. We thank you for the blessed life of the Lord Jesus Christ. We thank you for his death upon the cross that paid the penalty for our sin. And we thank you also, Lord, that after he died and was buried, that he rose on the third day, that he lives forever and ever. The greatest gift, the greatest gift ever given in all of human history and for all eternity the gift of salvation that has come through the life, the death, and the resurrection of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And so today, Lord, as we study your holy word, we pray that you will speak to our hearts as only you can from your word and through your Holy Spirit. Strengthen us, we pray, O Lord. And we want to take a moment to lift up Miss Mary Hunter, we pray your comfort and peace upon her at the passing of her husband this past week, for her and her family, and for all the, the decisions that they're facing. And then, Lord, those that we've mentioned who are ill, we pray for healing in their lives and encouragement. And we know that there are others here today who are struggling with ongoing pain and some who are also at home because it's too painful to get out. We pray your healing and comfort upon them. Lord, we pray for those who are discouraged and troubled. We pray today that they will find hope and peace in the Lord Jesus Christ. Thank you again, Father, for your word, and we ask that you would speak to our hearts, and may our hearts be tender and open to hear your word, your truth. We pray this in the name of our Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. So we've titled the message, The Triumphal Entry, and we'll look at the second uh, passage next week, but the first passage here is they're leaving Jericho, and that is, of course, Jesus and his disciples, and they're also accompanied by a large multitude of people. And wherever Jesus went, generally among the, the common people, he was very popular because he healed them, and he provided for them, and he ministered to them, and he also taught them in a way that was very different from what they were accustomed to. He spoke with authority, and of course, he is the authority because he is the living word of God. Amen? Now, in this first uh, point, the Lord Jesus hears the cries of the helpless. So as they're walking and they're, they're going up to Jerusalem, because Jerusalem is elevated above Jericho, and Jericho is several miles uh, from Jerusalem, so they're, they're, they're making their way up to Jerusalem, as they're walking along the roadside, you know, there's lots of commotion and excitement and all of this going on, and these, these blind men can hear this. 
So they begin asking, what, what's going on? What's going on? And uh, they're told that Jesus is coming. Well, Jesus had the reputation, okay? <laughs> he had the reputation for healing people. So they begin to, to cry out, Have mercy on us, O Lord, Son of David. They acknowledge him as Lord. And you have to understand, for a, for a, a Jewish person to call someone Lord, from the beginning of time, they're taught that there is but one God. There is but one Lord, God Almighty. One of the main differences, and there are many other differences, but one of the main differences between Christianity and all of these other false religions is that the false religions refuse to acknowledge Jesus Christ as Lord. But we acknowledge him as Lord because he is, in fact, the Lord. And they don't stop there. They also call him Son of David. Because he is the king. Jesus is the king. He belongs to the royal lineage of David the king. He is the fulfillment of the Old Testament. Jesus Christ is Lord and King. He is King of kings and Lord of lords. Amen? And so they cry out to him, Oh, have mercy on us, O Lord, Son of David. Now notice that the multitude tells him to shut up. <laughs> That's what they tell him, basically. Be quiet. Be quiet. Shut up. Don't make any trouble. Don't disturb him. But that didn't work, did it? They cried out all the more. All the more. And they serve as a tremendous example for us. But let's move on. And notice, Jesus asks them a question. He, he stops, says he stood still. He calls for them. And he says, what do you want me to do for you? Wouldn't you like Jesus to ask you that question? <laughs> what would you like me to do for you? But in a very real sense, he does, doesn't he? He really does. Jesus stops. He calls for them to be brought to him. And notice, in humility, Lord, that our eyes may be opened. They didn't ask for the biggest house on the hill, you know, and all of that. They didn't go on and on and on. They had this whole list, you know. And I, it's a good thing to have a prayer list, yes. If you can keep a prayer list and then as those prayers are answered, you can, right, you can line through it and check it off and glory to God. Amen. He answered that prayer. Amen. They were very specific, and that's a lesson for us. When we pray, we are to be specific. Specific. The Lord Jesus grants their request. Answered prayer. And it's immediate. He heals them. Now, remember that no is also an answer. Because there are those who define answered prayers as only those that are granted in the affirmative. And we've mentioned this many times. No is also an answer. 
Like when your kids ask you for stuff that you, right, and you say, no. Or maybe your grandkids now, <laughs> and you say, no. I remember when our granddaughter was real small and we'd go over there to Target and they had this little section with all these little toys and, and I would say, okay, Jazz, her name's Jasmine, but I call her Jazz, Jazzy. You can get four things. So you have to go through there and you have to choose what four you want, all right? So for a little girl, that's uh, you know kind of difficult, right? And so she'd go through and she'd pick one thing and put it in the shopping cart. And then one more, and then when she'd get to three, she'd say, uh, four things? Yes, four <laughs> things, all right? And you have to decide. And so, so then she'd get, she'd get the four, but she really wanted something else. And I'd say, no, just the four. And it would break my heart because I wanted to give her the fifth and the sixth thing too, okay? But I was, I was teaching her. And, and so, the Lord grants our requests but he also often says no. And he often says, wait, not now. The time is not right. But in this particular case, he granted their request. And it was immediate. And then notice, they were healed and they followed him. They demonstrated grateful worship of him. You'll recall that a uh, on one occasion, Jesus healed ten lepers. Ten. Ten, as they were going, and they were healed. One of them was filled with, with gratefulness. And he turned around and he went back and he fell before the Lord and worshipped him and gave thanks. And Jesus says, Weren't there ten that were healed? And only this one has returned? And, and him? A sinner? A Gentile? Only one has returned to give thanks to God? But these men were healed and they followed him. And we learn today in our Sunday school lesson. The Bible teaches, Jesus taught that if we love him, we will obey him. That is, we will follow him. And a very important point was made in our lesson. That God the Holy Spirit indwells every true believer, every person that has come to know Christ as their Savior. God the Holy Spirit has come to live and to dwell within them. And he does several things in our lives. He enables us to worship the Lord in spirit and in truth. Because he is the spirit of truth and he will never teach us or tell us anything that contradicts what is written in the scripture. He will never disagree with what Jesus taught and teaches us. He's the one who also enables us to understand God's word to share God's word accurately and how to pray. And the Bible says that even when, when we don't know how to even express what we're feeling on the inside when we're praying, that God the Holy Spirit is able to pray on our behalf because he knows exactly what we're feeling. Now notice, 
God brings triumph out of misery. Consider, how long had these men been blind? Well, it doesn't tell us. Maybe they were blind from birth, which would make it even that much more miraculous that they were healed. Or maybe they had contracted some particular bacteria that then destroyed their vision. Oh, what an alarming piece of information that came out this week. Some of you may have heard about these tainted eye drops. I, I think they're produced in India or somewhere, okay? Maybe some of you haven't heard, but these eye drops were, were contaminated with some kind of bacteria that when people put them into their eyes, it actually destroyed their eyes. They lost their vision, some people lost their eyes, and some people lost their life. Be careful with what you put in your eyes. But how long have these men been blind? Well, we don't know. What other difficulties do you suppose they experienced being blind? Have you ever tried walking around in your house with your eyes closed? <laughs> I think I've shared that before, that from time to time I'll close my eyes and walk around in, in the house. Just preparing that, you know, if I live to be 103 and lose my eyesight, I'll be able to get around on my own. <laughs> but I'm sure that they had experienced other difficulties. It probably was a difficult chore to find some work being blind in ancient times. I mean, what kind of work would you be able to do? But when the Lord Jesus stopped and called for them, he knew exactly everything about them. He knew everything about their suffering, how they had been treated, how they had been dealt with, the pain and the misery, the difficulty, the depression, the sadness, the frustration, all of that. Jesus knew all of that about them. But notice, he heals them and hopeless lives are transformed into lives of joyful triumph. And that is what Jesus does in our lives. That is what God does for people. He brings hope because Jesus is our blessed hope. Fourth point here. Our Lord Jesus Christ knows the challenges we experience in this life. Never for one moment doubt God's care and his knowledge of your particular challenges, difficulties, frustrations, agony, grief, pain, misery, loneliness, everything that you can imagine that, in, that humans experience in this life, God is acutely aware of everything, every single thing. When people harshly criticize us for being Christians, Jesus hears our prayers. The multitude tried to shut them down, right? You need to be quiet. They, it even says they warned them. That was a, a, a gentle way of, of interpreting. They were threatening them. <laughs> shut up. 
Be quiet. Nobody wants to hear you. Imagine that. When people are impatient with us, Jesus is patiently compassionate. Not only is he compassionate, but he's patiently compassionate. Or compassionately patient. <laughs> Whichever way you want to put it. Because he cares for us. When other people tell us to be quiet, Jesus listens to our cries for help and he responds. Our God is a God of action. A God who engages with us in this life. He promises. He promises to empower us. And he does that through God the Holy Spirit who lives and dwells in the life of the believer. We also learned in our lesson, Jesus is speaking over in the Gospel of John. And he says, the world cannot see and doesn't know God the Holy Spirit. Because, you see, they reject Christ. But to have God the Holy Spirit in one's life, you must accept Christ. You must acknowledge Him as Lord. You must acknowledge Him as Savior. You must acknowledge Him as your only hope. Because He is our only hope. When other people think our situation is hopeless, Jesus is our blessed hope. And he can transform lives and situations into joyful triumph. You know, when people get to 65, or to 60, and then 70, and 75, and then 80, and 85, and on and on, they think their life is over with. That is not true. That is not accurate. Everything that you have experienced in your life up to this point is preparing you for the future. And it's preparing you to be used by God in the lives of other people. And I've encouraged you and will continue to encourage you to share the gospel with your children with your grandchildren and your great-grandchildren and your brothers and sisters and other family members and your neighbors and others that you come into contact with. Share the gospel with them. You see, because you don't know, you don't know, when you interact with a particular person, what that person has been thinking about that morning or perhaps that evening, or in the afternoon, whatever the case might be. I was taking a phone to the T-Mobile to, uh, to, to turn it in, exchange it, you know, upgrade, etc. And um, so I just felt led to, to, uh, to speak to the man, and he, <laughs> and he said something about uh, the weather, and I said, yeah, well, be grateful that it's cool now because it's going to be really hot. You know, before you know it, it's going to be so hot. I said, and, and that's another reason to know where you're going to spend eternity. <laughs> <laughs> I 
<laughs> and, he, and he looked at me. <laughs> and so, so I said, do you know where you're going to spend eternity? And he said, yes, yes. And I said, well, do you know the Lord as your Savior? He said, yes, yes, I do, I do, I do. My, 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 my family's, you know, they're, they're church people. I said, well, are you in church? He said, no, no. I said, well, you need to, you need to get back to church. You see, I don't know, but that his family's been praying for him, right? To get back to church. Now, he knew the Lord, but he's unchurched. And we have lots of people who know the Lord as their Savior, but they're unchurched. They need to be in church. They need to be a part of a, a fellowship. They need to be worshiping the Lord, growing and maturing in Christ. And it's our privilege to share the Lord with them. So he was, he was, uh, he was relieved when it was time for me to leave. <laughs> but look, when people think that our situation is hopeless, Jesus is our blessed hope, and he can transform lives. Now you might think that some of your children are hopeless. You might think that some of your, your grandchildren are hopeless. No. No. No situation and no life is beyond the reach of God's amazing grace. And imagine, God uses us as an extension of his arm, if you will, his touch, to touch their lives. Yes, can your kids or your grandkids exasperate you and others? Yes, they can. That's part of human existence, isn't it? <laughs> but you can choose to pray for them. Anybody can criticize. Isn't that right? That's what, uh, what's it, Dale Carnegie, that's what he wrote in his book, How to Win Friends and Influence People. He wrote, any fool can criticize and usually does. And I, I mentioned that in, a, in an assignment that I had at seminary one time. <laughs> and the professor didn't like it. He said, see, even that, you, you shouldn't have said that. <laughs> because you're being critical of, of the person who's criticizing. <laughs> I thought, oh my goodness. <laughs> but I still think it's true. But as Christians, we, we have the wonderful privilege of demonstrating, this is a big, long, fancy word, right? That word is magnanimous, or magnanimity, okay? Choosing to overlook an insult or injury to the glory of God. And in spite of it, forgiving me and touching them with the Lord's love. Well, what do we learn from this passage? God knows us. Do you believe that God knows you? He knows everything about you. He knows everything about you. He knows your favorite dessert. There's several desserts that you like. <laughs> he also knows that you have a tendency to eat too many of them. <laughs> Last night, my son came in and to the 
kitchen there and he said, you know, we've got some of that pistachio uh, almond ice cream from Baskin Robinson. I said, yeah, I, I, I remember. I'm going to have some now. <laughs> God knows all, all about that. He knows us. And he cares for us. You see, there are people who think that God doesn't care. But oh, he does care. He cares about every aspect of our lives. God cares for you. And he wants you to know that he does. God looks upon us with tender, compassionate, healing love. And that should bring us, as we learned in our lesson, peace. The kind of peace that, that Jesus said that he, that he gives that the world doesn't give. God looks upon us with tender, compassionate, healing love. And then God is able to transform our challenging lives into lives of joyful praise. You may or may have said or may think, well, I, I don't have a whole lot to be thankful for. Well, I would argue with you. You're here today. Amen. And you can be grateful for that. You know, some will say, well, I woke up on this side of the grass today, so I'm, you know, I'm happy if things are going well. Okay. Another day to live in God's beautiful green world. That's a blessing, isn't it? Another day to serve him. Another day to interact with my family. Another day to, to be about. Another day to get some things done. Another day to sing or, or to, to dance about in the house. Another day to touch the lives of someone else with God's love. Another day to sing. Amen. And like the blind men, we must cry out to God. And we need to be specific in our prayers. Specific in our requests. It's very important. Now in a little bit, we're going to have an invitation. And so what is the invitation, really? The invitation is an opportunity. Of, it is the, the extension, if you will, of an invitation to you. If you've never received Jesus as your Savior, to do so. Now you, you do so when you're there in your, in your seats. You, you make a, you know, you say a prayer and you, you commit your life to Him. But the invitation to come down is to make it public. Because it settles it in the heart. All of heaven. Now the Bible says that, that the angels in heaven rejoice when a person gives their heart to the Lord Jesus. They throw a party. They, they have a good time. Maybe it's a potluck, Miss Collette. You know? <laughs> they, have a, they have a fantastic time in heaven when a person gives their heart to the Lord. But when you come forward and you do so publicly, you're making a stand and it makes it real. When you, you, know, when you enlist in the, in the military, you have to take an oath. And you're held to that oath. Well, when we come forward professing Christ as Savior, 
we're taking an oath. And then some attend church, but they never actually join a church. And you see, when you don't officially join a church, well, it's kind of easy to drop out of church, like that young man that I was speaking to over at the T-Mobile store. But when you become a, an official member of a church, now you have a voice, and we've said this before, membership has its privileges. And you see, you, you have all these different ideas and perspectives, and, and God has filled you with all kinds of abilities and talents. And when you become a, a church member, you're able to share all of that to benefit the congregation and to invest in the kingdom of God. And so if you're, you're here today and you're a Christian, but you've not officially joined, I want to encourage you to come forward and join. Or maybe you've not been baptized scripturally. Scriptural baptism is baptism by immersion. Buried, the Bible says, with Christ, raised to walk in newness of life. You just don't get that by somebody sprinkling your head. And that certainly doesn't happen when you have a little baby, this little child, whose parents made that decision for that baby or for that child. No, it's a, it has to be a personal decision. I was sharing with a, a young lady a couple weeks ago, and I said, Jesus was 30 years old when he was baptized. Because the young lady that I was speaking to was uh, 13 or 15 or something, you know, a young teenager. Baptized by immersion. You come forward and you say, I want to follow the Lord in believer's baptism because that is what the Bible teaches. Like the blind man, we must cry out to God. Maybe you've been playing Christian, but you've not been fully committed to him as a Christian. You've not been obeying him. Brother Bob shared in Sunday school, yes, revival has to begin in our own hearts with a willingness to confess our need of the Lord. And so we're going to stand, we're going to sing, Open My Eyes, just like these blind men who had their eyes open. God the Holy Spirit is the one who enables us to see spiritually. Whatever it is, whatever decision you are going to make for the Lord, don't delay don't wait until the song is over. You come, you make your decision as we sing. Let's, let's begin, kids. We pray that you have been blessed by today's lessons from God's Word. And we invite you to contact us with any questions that you may have, especially questions regarding your relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. We want to help you with your walk of faith in the Lord Jesus Christ and with your understanding of His Holy Word, the Bible. Our contact information is listed in the podcast show notes. May God richly bless you.